And you're listening to What's the Move on BFF.FM. Um, yeah, I created this show because I love music, I love history, and you know, over the course of the next few months, I'm going to be dissecting all these different genres that Black people have made. Um, you might have seen this infographic online floating around called the Evolution of African American Music. Well, um, it's a timeline of like every genre that was ever created by Black Americans. Um, so I think it could be like updated a little bit because it was published in 1992, but, um, I'll get into some revisions in due time, but I like to kind of go over the history and like, so that we can have context to our critiques. (laughs) 
Um, I'm out of breath because I was running to smoke. Y'all should already know the drill. <laughs> I just want to say I'm so happy to be back on the air. Uh, I know that it's just been like reruns and playlists. It's because like for one, school is finally fucking out. And let me talk my shit for a second. Like she's passing like A's and B's, mostly A's. Okay. I felt like I did it. I was like sleepwalking. I feel like a lot of us feel like that right now. But like, if you're also wrapping up the semester, like we did that shit, we really did. And then secondly, uh, The Sims 4 released an, a new expansion pack where you can like create your own apartments. <laughs> and I love building things on The Sims 4. So I've really been out of it because I've been sick too. Not that, you know, the radio show isn't as important as The Sims 4, but like I was also really sick. So uh, there's that, but I'm just so happy to be back. Uh, I'm so happy to be talking about music. We just listened to Arthur Verosai, and I know we all know that song, but like, it's just so good. Naboko Doso <laughs> is what it's called. And I don't know if you've ever taken time to like listen to the lyrics, but like, they're really beautiful. Like the, the title of the song is actually called In the Mouth of the Sun. I didn't know that until I looked that shit up recently. And I was like, you know what? Love it. I love it. So <laughs> this episode, I just kind of want to talk about um, international jazz and just kind of how, um, you know, black Americans, like the art form that we created ended up bopping around all over the world and even the people that are not familiar with us were hearing this music and adding their own tweaks to it or even in some ways as we'll talk about like um just the way that uh it kind of goes back home like we're gonna talk about jazz going back to africa and like how these are instruments that were created in africa and so yeah, I'm excited to get into it. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't decided on if this is going to be one part or two parts because I really just want to play music today because uh, there's just like some really good stuff that I found or that I have been listening to. Um, so I'm not going to try and do too much talking. But if you know me, that's kind of a hard beat once you get me going. Um, but I do want to start off with like laying the groundwork. Like how did jazz kind of hop over to other parts of the world? Um, Mostly like the main reason I would say is like um, the jazz ambassador program and also just the fact that like you have uh, like black soldiers like going around the world stationed in different countries. So like in some insidious way, I guess like colonialism, right? Um, damn. <laughs> but like let's get into the jazz ambassador program because I feel like that's just like a little bit more easier to grasp in that respect. And also like, bear with me, I'm like a little stoned. I'm very excited, um, kind of tripping over my words. Um, but yeah, so the Jazz Ambassadors program basically started after World War II. So like in the earlyish 1950s or so. And it was started by uh, President Eisenhower, right? Because um, he was president at the time. And he was like, hey, um, how are we going to be able to like beat Russia at this arms race, like communist versus democracy like game that we're playing? Um, it wasn't just about like having, you know, nuclear weapons. It wasn't about um, just about having the largest armies, things like that. 
It's also like about trying to like win over all of these little countries or regions, might I add, that are like already established and already have their own culture and their own governments or like maybe even their own resources or are trying to like get from under um, monarchies. Because like a lot of the, uh, around this time too, um, you see like a lot of different countries that are like coming from under like French monarch rule or like some of the countries like already had their own monarchy system put in place so like there's like a lot of revolutionary stuff happening within like these regions and so um russia and the u.s two sides of the same coin if we're being honest like when we're talking about this contextually um they see an a chance like an opening for them to kind of spread their good word so to speak you know they're like okay well i see that um these countries in asia are like they're overthrowing their French imperial rule. Um, since that's a monarchy, they don't really know about democracy. They don't really know about communism. Like, let's slide over there and see what's up. So, um, <laughs> with that being said, Eisenhower wanted to beat Russia at the arms race. He wanted to beat Russia at the Cold War. But here's one sneaking problem about America. Everybody knows that America is full of racism. Like, everybody knows that America, like, treats black people specifically you know obviously other people but black people like shit so he's like how are we going to rehab that image right um especially because like at this time the civil rights movement is happening um and so like people are seeing this on their tvs across the globe of like what's happening and like people being killed and all that so um <laughs> he's realizing that like he needed like a new approach to like cultural diplomacy and so um Yeah, so basically they ended up like creating this like this cultural exchange program um, and in like 1956, I think, Dizzy Gillespie was like the first person to ever go on one of these state sponsored tours like to like different countries. And so um, in March, it was March 1965, he led a band with Quincy Jones of all people as the musical director, right? They went to Europe, they went to Asia, they went to South America, they went and in uh you know the middle eastern kind of like asia eurasia area they went to like iran pakistan lebanon turkey yugoslavia like all these different places greece and argentina too i feel like that's important as well <laughs> and it was it was successful right because like i feel like at the heart of it like these people want to hear music this is also like a, a huge um commodity for america like outside of like I guess like textiles or like whatever they were doing corn but like music is like a really good way to show people like oh they're just like us we all play the same instruments oh we make these similar sounds these kinds of things so like this is really helpful um but I love that like Dizzy Gillespie he uh got criticism when he went to Brazil because he was just kicking it with like the uh what are they called like the local musicians you know just like the people that weren't like that he was like supposed to be there to see like the elected officials and stuff. And so um, I got me thinking just about like, oh, when did Bossa Nova kind of start? When was Sergio Mendez like really popping? Cause like, I love Sergio Mendez, right? And I'm wondering if there's like a correlation, right? And so guess what? Like, I feel like Bossa Nova, or I know Bossa Nova is to be a mixture of Samba and jazz. And I think that, um, Gillespie's tour on top of, you know, just the fact that Brazil has the largest population of Africans 
or African descended people outside of Africa. Um, all this comes together really nicely. Um, although I will say like a lot of Bossa Nova artists are like more fair skinned. They, I wouldn't say that there are of that African descent that I am talking about, but like that's definitely like mixed in there. So I'm gonna play one of my favorite Sergio Mendez songs uh, to get it popping. And then like a couple more after that. And then we'll get into some more jazz ambassadors. The moonlight warms the silver sand. I see bird across the cold. The water's crystal in your hand. The air is silver and cold. The tempo's easy as you please. From every lemon yellow Singing. A song of cinnamon and glow The air is cinnamon and glow Seductive cinnamon and glow So come to my arms, I long for your kiss The taste of the sea, salty sweet upon your Love to be made on nights such as this And time is but sad Drifting through our fingertips The moon is like a tangerine Adrift upon a sea of love A world where nothing comes between The salty day Where every slice of my hand love has just the perfect combination a cup of sweetness, a pinch of sadness, a touch of cinnamon and glow, a touch of cinnamon and
visitei O jardim dos deuses mais de uma vez Em busca do prazer E da paz Mas Tudo que eu encontrei Desapareceu depois que eu voltei E eu nunca me esqueci Do perfume do Jardim
manhã tão bonita manhã na vida uma nova canção cantando só teus olhos teu riso tuas mãos pois há de haver um dia em que virás das cordas do meu violão que só teu amor procurou vem uma voz falar dos beijos perdidos nos lábios Canto o meu coração, alegria voltou Tão feliz amanhã desse amor Hey, it's me again, Helena Handbasket And you're listening to What's the Move So that last track that we heard it is from this movie called Black Orpheus, and it's this really beautiful French film that's, um, oh my gosh, sorry, I gotta turn down the levels, still do- working at this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's this movie called Black Orpheus, it's really beautiful, it's French, but it's um, based off of like a Greek tragedy, but it's set in a favela in Brazil, and it stars this guy named Breno Mello and this really beautiful woman named Marpa Sedan. And I feel like you might have seen her picture somewhere on Instagram. Like, you know how people do like curation photos or whatever. But she's from Philadelphia and everyone thought she was like Brazilian because I think this is like one of her first movies. And it's just like really beautifully shot. Unfortunately, though, like I think it was made in 1959. Um, Yeah, it was. So it was made in 1959. So, you know, by a French guy. So it wasn't like the most racially... Um, sensitive to like Brazilian people but it's been revised a couple of times from my understanding I think it is worth the watch because um, they're all dead so I guess there's not really gonna be any money in his pocket anymore I guess um, <laughs> but next I want to talk about uh, this guy called Bon Panera and he uh, is from the Philippines and he's still alive he um is really on his on his bossa nova hype and um he was like one of the first people to kind of like or not the first people but like he was someone who brought like bossa nova over to like asian countries and he ended up playing like over in the united states and stuff too but um yeah i'm gonna play a song that he did and it is in tagalog it's called uh, sadako Harun. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I don't speak Tagalog and I should have asked someone before I said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're about to play this one because it's hot and we love it. Mm-hmm. 
Community radio for the San Francisco music scene. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.
bokao Bilo balo bao Likambwe bo mambo kao Songi songi bandeko Okay, so I did like a little pivot um, into Africa because 
I love talking about jazz in Africa, specifically like Northwestern and like Middle African jazz, because like the instruments that we use in jazz are <laughs> where they were created there. Like I said earlier, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like listening to music in Africa with these instruments doesn't make them jazz, right? Like what, we, what did we talk about a couple weeks ago about like genres, right? But like the people in Africa, like these bands, they still added jazz. Like they still use the term jazz for their bands and their songs. And um, I feel like there's like a level of appreciation and also inspiration into like what everybody was doing on both sides of the world. And so the first guys that we listened to were Tupac Jazz. And they started in like 1956 and they're from the Congo. And um, by like the late 1980s, they had like 50 to like 75 members in their band. Like it was huge. Um, but like around that time too, like they had like a touring band and like um, like a home band. So like they still had bands playing in the Congo, or the one band playing in the Congo and then one on tour. And <clears throat> the founder, I can't think of his name right now. I think his last name, I think his name is Franco. He um, he ended up like owning like a lot of property in the Congo and like building up nightlife. That's the extent that I know it. So I'm not going to say anything else <laughs> just because like um, it's kind of intense in terms of the Congo and like Africa destabilization and just like that kind of stuff. I mean, like I'm not not that I'm not going to talk about it because we are going to talk about it. We're actually going to talk about uh, Louis Armstrong and his um trip to the Congo and what happened afterwards and so um before I do that though the other song that I played was um oh my gosh uh Grand Kale and L'African Jazz so like I was saying the jazz definitely gets incorporated even into like the African uh like the African countries, which I think is cool. And then like when you listen to it too, like that song that I just played, it's very funky too. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's not just jazzy. So I think that one came out in like 1960. So I feel like rock and roll was like starting up too. And like funk was there as well. Soul was also there. So it all comes together. Like I love how the internet was not a thing, but somehow we just like know what's up, like from across every corner of the world. Like it's so tight. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know if I said it, but the Jazz Ambassador Program like was definitely funded in part by the CIA. And um, I feel like this, um, it's not a tin tinfoil hat conspiracy because this is like literally proven fact. But like this mission, this operation could be like talked about like for hours and hours. And I feel like as I'm doing this show, I think that's what I'm going to do at some point. I'm definitely going to be um, <laughs> making a two hour episode about the infiltrations because it's kind of wild just like reading about just little things and bits through music. What countries were destabilized like mere months after like a touring musician jazz person came through. Um so let's see, we're going to get into how Louis Armstrong, he went to the Congo, I think in like 19, it was 1960, but I believe it was like October or November of 1960. He had already been going through Africa. Like he was one of the people that um, they had 
And I will say to you, like one of the efforts of this whole uh, thing was just was to show like a multicultural aspect too, because you had Dave Brubeck that was also in it. Benny Goodman was also in it. Duke Ellington. Um, oh my gosh. There was someone that like was going to be in it, but then was like, actually not nah, like I'm not about it. I can't think of their name, but I will think about it like tomorrow when I'm like in the shower or something out of nowhere. But anyways, <clears throat> so at this time, it's like the Congo had been free for, I want to say like four months. The independence, like the Declaration of Independence came out in June of 1960. Louis Armstrong got there in like October, November. And um, he wasn't like a super political guy from what I've read by any means. Like he definitely was, he was a sympathizer to like the oppressed plight, right? But he wasn't an activist by any means. Like I was reading some stuff about how um, when he was touring Egypt and um, Tunisia and stuff, like they would be like, yo, like why are you performing for Israelis? Like blah, 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 which like I totally get, right? And then he was kind of like, whoa, like y'all are kind of jumping down my neck because when I was over there in Israel, they were saying the same thing to me about y'all. Like for me, I just don't, like I don't know enough about this. Like I'm here to just spread jazz. And I guess I can understand that in some sense because he's actively being like, I don't know what's going on here. I was sent to like, and also I'm not political. Like I don't really, like I don't think that I have like the ability to speak on this because I don't know what it is, right? Um, I'm not gonna say if he got educated later on because I don't know, but this is in his autobiography or in his biography if you wanted to read it. Um, but yeah, so he was already kind of getting the flack of the tensions of America infiltrating all of these countries, right? So by the time the Congo comes around, like it's a new country, just like full, like newly formed, they gained independence from Belgium. So they used to be the Belgian Congo. And um, who he thought was a part of his entourage were actually CIA like operatives, like heavy in the Congo. And um, <laughs> where is it? Because I wrote this down too. Um, and the reason why the CIA used this trip is basically because with this new country, they're trying to see what's up. Like, are they going to bend the knee to America or are they not? And do we need to eradicate them? So, um, they knew that the Congo was rich in resources, uranium being one of them, like still rich in resources to this day. That's why like slavery is happening in that country as we were speaking, as you're listening to this, right? Um, and they had this tour with Louis Armstrong. And they said, hey, this is the perfect opportunity to see what's going on. So um, they did some recon they figured out resources. They figured out who their leader was, Latrice Lumumba. Um, they figured out who were the weak spots in the government who wanted to grease their palms a little bit more instead of protect their people. And literally, uh, Armstrong left like at the end of November and Patrice Lumumba was assassinated in January. I want to say the date was like January 17th. 1961 or something like that like very quick turnaround in the in the name of imperialism like these guys do not quit and it's kind of crazy too because like patrice lumumba like i feel like this dude was just asking for like basic rights you know just like how the rest of us are like he didn't actually have like a comprehensive like political or economic platform um he but he was like the first congolese person to like articulate like a narrative of like we all need to be together. And when I say this to you, like, I don't know 
if you know, but like within Africa, like there is, I mean, with outside of apartheid, what, what was that thing that happened? Um, in Rwanda, like the genocide in Rwanda, right? There are groups of people like that are, what's the word? They have smaller villages, ethno, they're like ethno groups, right? They have all these different ethno groups, right? And I feel like in Africa at this time, which is what Lumumba was preaching, was we need to bring the ethno groups together as well. Not just the Congolese people, but also the smaller ethno groups that were also affected by colonialism and also affected by the Belgian rule. And like that alone is like, again, like what we were talking about George Jackson and them uniting everybody of color and not of color in their prisons together. Like that poses a problem when you're trying to, you know, oppress everybody, you know? So um, that's really why they ended up like murdering him, right? And so uh, who was he? He was replaced by this puppet guy. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Mabutu or Matubu, I think his name is. He ended up gaining power and he's pretty much like a U.S. sympathizer henchman. And like the U.S., they ended up getting the resources at the cost of the liberation of the people. And the CIA to this day still denies that they assassinated this man. Um, and I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to leave that there, you know. Um, <laughs> so I just I think that it's really interesting too, just because like it's contradictory, like y'all eisenhower and y'all are sitting here saying like we're gonna bring together this cultural rainbow of jazz legends across the world to spread jazz so we can show people that we're not racist and we're actually the good guys meanwhile you're over here murdering and destabilizing and taking food out of people's mouths taking babies out of children's arms like and it's just wild because nothing has changed so uh with that being said i'm gonna get into mariam makiba because she's also She's for the people, she's with it, she's of the pan-Africanism, but not like the corny kind. Um, we love her, and I'm going to get into her after we play her song. Or one of her songs. Mr. 
Okay, so that was Maria Makiba. Uh, I love her. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring her up because she's really inspiring to me, just like in terms of artistic journey. Because like I know a lot of us, or I didn't go see uh, Renaissance in theaters, mainly because I'm broke. And then I found out about the whole AMC Israel thing, and I was like, you know what? I'll just see it on uh, Netflix because that's where it's headed, and I already pay out the ass for Netflix, right? Um, but there was definitely discussions about, oh well, this is just the art. Um, I don't know why you expect her to have like an opinion. And I just feel like throughout history, musical history um, as well, you know, there have been people that have been on the wrong side of history to turn correct, you know, on the right side. And um, like there are literal fucking slave owners, slave owners that became abolitionists. And everyone's telling us that it's too much for Beyonce to post a free Palestine story on her Instagram. And I feel like we're not reading in between the lines. Like there's something to be said, you know? Um, <laughs> and it's just very interesting that you can have a narrative of black power movement and like co-op uh, Black Panther ideology for like an album, right? But the Black Panther is also still with Palestine. So I don't know. Um, and I say that to say we have Mary Makiba, right? She um, is from South Africa, born and raised, right? They call her Mama Africa if you don't know her. And she was in jazz. She um, did Afro pop, like one of the first to kind of do that. She broke out into the United States with the help of Harry Belafonte, right? Like she started off singing in South Africa as a child. And um, if it needs to be said, like South Africa at, is like they just ended um, segregation like 30 years ago. And um, a very small group of Dutch people came to this vast, vast country and colonized it. Um, and we're still understanding what the repercussions of that was because the segregation and the apartheid, that, did, that didn't end that long ago. Like, I was born before apartheid ended. So, <laughs> like, just put that into perspective. So she is, like, a black woman living in that. And I think that, like, her family luckily, like, was able to have some type of... Um, I won't say affluence, but they weren't like, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I'm a little stoned. But at the end of the day, though, she grew up in like this, like this culture, this era where like she was not appreciated. She was not um, treated as a human being. She was not understood for who she was, her and her family, anybody that looked like her. Right. And she was still making music. And I think it wasn't until she came over to America that she decided to really sit there and like start speaking out because she had a platform to do so. Um, and she even said like for the longest time, she did not want to talk about apartheid politics because she was afraid of the backlash. And she ended up linking up with like Harry Belafonte, like I said, like she was uh, mentored by him. And um, she also like was able to travel the world because of that. She ended up linking up with like the Black Panther Party and just like the Black pa Power Movement as a whole and really understood what where they were coming from because it's not even two sides of the same coin. It's the same coin. It's just, you know, it's just a different, it's a South African coin. I don't know. Like, so she really understood that and she really started to speak out and um, she ended up getting banned from South Africa. Um, and she said that, she, I'm just gonna quote her because I'm awful at trying to like, you know, um, she said, I always wanted to leave home. I never knew they were going to stop me from coming back. 
maybe if I knew, I never would have left. It is kind of painful to be away from everything that you've ever known. Nobody will know the pain of exile until you are in exile. No matter where you go, there are times when people show you kindness and love, and there are times when they make you know that you are with them, but not of them. That's when it hurts. And I read that and I, I like low-key cried because like I'm just like, damn, that's an experience that people still experience to this day. Like I think about um, you know, the Latino people that are coming over here for a better life, you know, from different countries, especially like I just think about like my uh El Salvadoran homies whose parents like came over here during the Civil War that like George H.W. Bush started and like Reagan started and like, you know, like and I think about what's happening currently in Palestine, like I think about uh, the people that have already fled their rightful home in search of just like a safe haven and the fact that like they won't ever probably be able to go back there again, like it's fucked. So <laughs> I say that to say Miriam like was one of those people that had a very high, uh, high level of fame and was speaking out about this and risked her safety, was not able to come back to her home and... All I know is she would have done more than post a fucking Instagram story. So I think that's the least Beyonce can do. And I love Beyonce and y'all know I love Beyonce. So I don't I don't think that it's a, a conversation of well politics, this politics that it's like. This is this is real life. These are people. These are this is something that could happen to you no matter what your status is. I don't know. It's just um, it's wild. And so on top of that, too, after a while, she stopped getting um, Miriam Akiba st stopped getting um wide approval and a wide acceptance here in America because she married Stokely Carmichael, AKA Kwame Ture. And um, they were political activists. People thought that Stokely Carmichael was a fucking terrorist. He wasn't, <laughs> he was a revolutionary man, you know? Um, so I just think that that's super, it's yeah. So I love Mary Makipa and I'm actually gonna end up doing a whole episode on this music festival that happened in Zaire, which is the Congo. Um, and I'm going to talk about that too. Um, it's such an interesting wild thing because it started out as like a boxing match, but that didn't work out, but it was like a boxing match with like a music festival. Like, yeah. So, um, a lot of black artists from around the world were, um, they were invited to that and they performed at that, like including, uh, Celia Cruz, James Brown, uh fucking bill withers um the spinners like all these random ass people uh Tupac jazz like i was saying mary makiba like i was saying fania all stars like oh man i wish i could have been there like that shit would have been popping so popping um <laughs> so with that being said um i definitely think this is gonna be a two-parter because <laughs> there's still so much music to play so i'm gonna get into some more hope you enjoy it
gonna get into some Afro-Cuban jazz because we gotta round that shit off. We do. We gotta get us all in there together. One is pure perfection. Cuando Dios hizo al mundo mi bien, dejó sobreentendido su plan, concediéndole a Eva y Adán el jardín del Edén. Fue la idea del creador en la tierra creada por él 
Cada hombre tuviera el amor de una mujer Si no eres tú Yo no tengo quien me haga feliz Porque nadie ha de estar junto a mí Si no eres tú Si no eres tú, en mi vida no habrá un ideal, ni habrá musa que me haga cantar. Si no eres tú, si no eres tú, Nadie cabe ya en mi corazón Porque mi vida Ya te pertenece a ti Si no eres tú Yo no quiero que me hablen de amor porque nadie comprende mi amor Si no eres tú Nadie cabe ya en mi corazón Porque mi vida ya te pertenece a ti Si no eres tú Yo no quiero que me hablen de amor porque nadie comprende mi amor Si no eres tú Frente a frente lo que significo para ti Dime la verdad No permitas tú Que viva en constante incertidumbre por tu culpa Dime pronto Si me quieres O si no
a ti decirme frente a frente lo que significo para ti. Constante incertidumbre por tu culpa, dime pronto Si me quieres o si no And you're listening to What's the Move on BFF.FM radio. Um, I had to throw that Salyal Cruz in there because, like, why not? First of all, um, you know, we did a little bit of Machito. Um, we did a little bit of uh, Graciela, who is Machito's sister. We talked about her in episode two. Um, I love Salyal Cruz's voice because, like, especially on that track, I'm just like, damn, like, this is opera mixed with, like, afro latin shit mixed with like a little bit of jazz like you hear the big band influences and also obviously in machitos because like he was one of the forefathers the forefathers the founding fathers of big band i don't know if i said that during our little big band talk but he was there he was doing that um and i think i'm gonna end up having my own episode on uh fania all-stars with like willie cologne and all them because like that's amazing music Shout out to Catalina for putting me onto that. I know she doesn't listen to the show, but if you ever do, thank you so fucking much. Um, yeah, so like, let's get back to this Jazz Ambassadors program. Also, I think I'm going to be able to wrap this up in one episode. Um, yeah, which is good. But yeah, you know who I fuck with? Fucking Dave Brubeck. Um, because he did this Jazz Ambassador uh, program and he was like, I'm not into this. He actually, like, as a white guy, he left hopeful and left super critical of U.S. politics. Um, he and his wife even made, like, a musical. I can't remember what the name of it is called. I want to say it's something super simple, like The Jazz Ambassador. Um, but it was, like, a musical based on just their experiences. And I haven't... I don't think you can watch it anymore, but the album itself is available to stream. So if you're interested, um, it features like Louis Armstrong and a couple of other black artists and stuff. Um, but yeah, that man, he played in Eastern Germany and in Poland and uh, Turkey, Afghanistan. Um, but in one place in particular, he traveled to Iraq and Iran during his jazz ambassador tour. And no one briefed him on like the tensions that were happening because if I remember correctly, maybe this is during the no, because the Arab Israeli war, I think, was in the 70s. It was a conflict. You know, I'm not going to speak on it because I don't have it off the top of my head. I'm just going off the dome. Um, but basically. Um, weeks after he left, like him and the team left. Um, Iraq, Iraq's uh, government was destabilized. Um, I His name is. Abd al-Karim Qasim, he overthrew the monarchy in a coup. And um, 
I'm not going to get hella into that because I'm on really good time. I, like I said, I think that I'm just going to do like a two-parter episode on the Jazz Ambassador program as a whole because I wanted to just highlight like people that do jazz. Because this isn't just jazz from the past. I'm also playing jazz from like current -er times and current times, which actually leads me to the next uh, jazz band that I'm going to play. Um, now, before I get into that, I wanted to give you some Dave Brubeck facts because like I actually fuck with this fool. He was born in Concord, California. He helped start the Monterey Jazz Music Festival. He was always um, doing um, stuff like in Berkeley and in San Francisco for the arts. And actually, I read an article a couple of weeks ago. His house in the Oakland Hills is actually for sale right now for like two million, which I know that's like that's a lot of money. Right. But then my sick Bay Area brain was like, huh, only two million for a house in Oakland Hills just because like, I don't know, dude, like. Houses cost like $8 billion now. But I thought that was interesting. So like shouts out to Dave Brubeck for like even being critical of the Jazz Ambassador program and being able to like see like that there's some shit going on and speaking out against it because we'll talk about Benny Goodman in a second. Um, I never did like that fool. Never did. Um, so we'll talk about just like the juxtaposition between like someone that can just like call a spade a spade and someone who just like willfully wants to be ignorant. So um, yeah, anyways, back to that band that I was going to play. So there's this really awesome band that I found and they're actually fools that play to this day. Like they're young cats. Um, they just released an album. Their most recent album, I think in like 2021, they are called um, <laughs> Sneaky Jesus. And they're actually like a band from Poland, from Warsaw. And um, I like them because they like incorporate like a little bit of the like the math rocky vibes that I like because I love math rock. And then like also jazz, you could tell. Um, this one is called Bugs, and I know that this one for sure is from like their 2021 release. So shouts out to Sneaky Jesus. Shouts out to um, all my uh, Polish people. What do what do what do we say? Swawski, Swawski. <laughs> That's I love you in Polish. Okay. Shouts out to my girl Pat. <laughs> so yeah, here's that sneaky puppy track for you. It's called Bugs.
that one's a hitter i really enjoy it it's very fast it has like some little psychedelic elements i'm gonna just riff over it because um i do think i can finish all of this and not have to do uh, a two-parter so we can get into the next unit um anyways so the next one i want to talk about is salah ragab so I just like wanted to get into like Middle Eastern jazz influences and, stu and stuff just because I found some really cool things. Um, Salah, like he created like one of the first like big bands in Egypt. Um, they're not too much is known about him, um, but like he definitely was able to achieve that. He ended up like, what's the word? He ended up touring sorry he ended up touring across the united states across the world and concert halls too like he definitely brought that like element to um jazz and it's really tight too because um he was inspired by these jazz visits um the jazz ambassador program so it's like super interesting just to think about like how um these things are like influenced because like obviously even sneaky jesus granted like these are dudes that are like our age right or my age i should say because we're all different ages um that are also into jazz and like granted yeah we do have the internet but i'm sure like they have like a grandma or something that like had like some little records hidden somewhere so i think that that's really cool so um i'm gonna start off with a salah ragab song Called a tribute to Sun Ra because he actually got to play with Sun Ra. That's also why I like I bring him up um, because like there were a lot of black artists that ended up going over to like the Middle East and like other countries in Africa um, in pursuit of like Islamic faith and also like to get away from racism because I'm not gonna lie to you, it's very interesting that black people were able black Americans. Let me say that black Americans were able to find some type of social uh and like racial equality in europe but like france has like one of the hugest islamophobia problems they were colonizing um you know oh my god oh my god like tunisia and algeria so i think that it it comes full circle that there are artists that definitely wanted to come over to you know africa and the places that were also being oppressed in certain ways and kind of join in that way um it kind of like ties into like the pan-african and like the anti-colonialness of some of the leaders that were also like in africa at the time too like i know um the president of egypt at the time was like super anti-colonial colonialist around the time of salah Gab, i should say super anti-colonialist um into the pan-african um r.i.p Gaddafi, and um just like those kinds of things so i just feel like they were into the fact that it wasn't about skin color. It's about the fact that like we're being colonized by these people and we need to have resources for ourselves. So um, with my diatribe, let's listen to Salavagab and his tribute to Sunra. Thank you. 
BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Community radio. All your friends are doing it. Hey, thanks for coming back. I'm Helena Handbasket, and you're listening to What's the Move on BFF.FM radio. Um, that last track is from Magda Al Husseini, and I really like that one because it reminds me of Yusuf Latif and Shirley Scott, who we talked about um, in our last session, because um, it's very soul jazzy, and it also had those organs, like, you know, like the gospel funeral organ type thing. So I really enjoyed that track. Um, so we're going to start wrapping things up. I wanted to get into Benny Goodman. I don't know why I have it out for Benny Goodman, but I just like don't fuck with him. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't like him. I don't, maybe, maybe my mind will be changed. But like at the same time, the more I read about him, the more I'm just like not into it. Um, so in December of 1957, Benny Goodman goes on his tour and he goes on a seven week tour of East and Southeast Asia. And um, this one definitely strengthened American ties to the rulers of the country that he um, that he visited. Right. Again, like, let's think about the CIA infiltration. He's going to Thailand. He's going to Japan. He's going to India. Um, It's very interesting, too, because, like, he came in this, like I was saying, like, on the contrasting side of, like, Dave Brew. Yeah, Brew Beck's, like, I don't know, like, how to feel about the way that people are treated on these tours. Benny Goodman, like, he came in, like, thinking, like, okay, like, racism has been cured. It's been defeated in America. This is what I'm going to be spreading. And um, he ended up, like, getting uh, bombarded by the press about, like, race relations in America. And he was not into it because he is of this mind of, like, oh, my gosh, like, that's in our past. That does not define our future. Um and it's just like super funny too because like he ended up chalking it up to like communist propaganda and i think that it's more nuanced than that because it's not i like communist propaganda is super interesting because it's propaganda right but like from what i've seen like the one thing that they were always um talking about that like literally is not propaganda is like how racist america was and it's just like super funny too because like these Asian com- countries, um, they weren't new to jazz. And so I'd like, they, so they weren't diverted from the fact that jazz, like jazz wasn't a novelty. So they weren't diverted from the fact that like racism still existed in America, right? Like um, Teddy Weatherford, he was um, a jazz musician from Kansas City, right? He had moved to India in the 30s and he was already like putting in work out there, right? Um, in 1935, there was a Chinese jazz band called the Queer, the Clear Wind Dance Band, and it was uh, headed by Lee Junhui. And he had been making records like with jazz fusion influence type stuff, like back in like 1927. So like nobody was really trying to hear it like that. And also too, like you're gonna bring Benny Goodman to like showcase jazz. Like I guess he's cool. Like whatever. Like, I'd rather have it be like a Dave Brubeck or a Dizzy Gillespie, which, by the way, I don't think that he Dizzy Gillespie. I don't think that he ever did another tour after the initial one that he did. Um, but also, too, 
sorry i'm getting on my like my little tangent but like also because of like sailors and uh black people already being all over the world due like uh, black americans being all over the world due to the fact that they were enlisting in the in the military they were bringing stuff of, like of their culture over to these countries like that's how koreans got fried chicken like that's history you know you bring little bits of home over to you and people get influenced because like yeah you know what i mean so um i say that to say like the philippines that was considered like in the 1930s that was considered like the asian jazz capital so like fools are already like hip to this like benny goodman was not gonna do anything and he like definitely maintained that and it's actually super funny too because after he was like oh like i guess that the asian countries are just brainwashed by the communists this fool who happens to be like a russian like a descendant of like russian immigrants this fool tried to gain entry into russia after saying all that so i'm just like dumbass like i'm sorry i don't know i'm not into him i'm not into him <laughs> but um so i bring him up because like i said jazz is already popping like we already know japanese jazz has like a huge following so i'm gonna play some of that like asian jazz isn't just exclusive to like japan and china and the philippines it's also in india it's also um in parts of the middle east which is technically asia right um so i'm gonna play one of the classics. I know that y'all probably know this one. It's uh, Raya Fukui and it's early summer. Like, if you don't know this song, you probably saw the album cover on Tumblr um, or like just the fact that it's like the precursor to like lo-fi beats YouTube. <laughs> like, no bullshit. So I'm going to play that. It's a little 10 minute track and then I'll play... Um, two new tracks and then i guess we'll wrap up here because that's really all i gotta say today um i'm ready to go back home and play the sims and i'm ready just to go hang out um see some sunlight because there wasn't that much of that yesterday or the day before
right. Um, time is running thin. I know this song was getting good, but like it's been out for like 48 years. So just go listen to it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say thank you so much for listening today. Um, I got a couple of little announcements. Um, I will be doing karaoke at Stork Club on Sunday night at 8 p.m. to 1130. Okay. I need you to show up. I need you to shake ass. I need you to sing your little heart out. And then on top of that, um, RIP to the Ruby Room because Ruby Room is closing, closing down. Um, yeah, dude, it's closing. RIP. I know some of my family listen to this, but I don't care because I'm an adult. That was the first place I ever went to with a fake ID. I was like 17. Um, and it, I did my first markets there, did my first DJ set there, had so many good times, fights, crying, the fact you can smoke cigarettes indoors while you're playing pool. Um, yeah, and we're going to miss it. So with that being said, I'm going to be DJing next Friday at Ruby Room for the farewell tour. And then you're probably going to see me, um, at their New Year's Eve bash. That's the last thing they're ever going to throw before they shut down. And I wanted to leave you with this really beautiful song. It's very trippy. It's very um, psychedelic, but it's also very Arabic. And it's by Yaz Ahmed. Um, she's a jazz artist from um, London, but I believe she is Barani, you know, from the country Bahrain. Um, and she's tight as fuck. So I'm going to leave us with this. I hope you have a great weekend. I can't really think about anything that's happening this week. Um, just because I have the Sims on the brain. Um, I got to go tend to them. I love them and I miss them. So let's listen to Yazamed. And then I hope you have a great weekend. I better see you at karaoke. If not, you're going to be breaking my heart. All right, bye. I love you.
مخربة مخربة